The Zamzo's Garden Show is sponsored by Zamzo's. The views, opinions, and advice offered by the show's hosts do not necessarily reflect those of KBOI or its parent company, Cumulus Media. KBOI makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information expressed and shall not be responsible or liable for any claims arising out of the use of or reliance upon any such information. What kind of seeds are you sowing? Why is it so green where you're from? It must be Zamzo's growing in your yard, garden, or barn. You've done it right, you see it. Got the help that you need it. Zamzo's really makes you want to come home. I'm coming home. Cause nobody knows. Like Zamzo's. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on News Talk KBOI. To be a part of the show, call now, 1-800-529-KBOI or 336-3700. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on the Big 670 KBOI. How's it going, everybody? This is the Zamzo's Garden Show, and I am your host, Nolan Guthrie. Today we're doing a pre-recorded episode, and uh, this is one actually from a, a ways back, and we're doing... Uh, a little bit of an edit to make sure everything's uh, up to snuff here. And uh, I have joining me today Chris Owings, who has uh, kind of grown up with me through the ranks of Zamzos. And uh, we worked together at the Chinden location for a number of years. Uh, Chris and I have a, a, a mutual respect and, I don't know, I would call it love for trees. You know, it's something that we both studied a lot of in college and really i don't know we just I, I don't know is that is that the right uh absolutely way to say it? i would say more than once i've been called a tree hugger <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah me too actually and not because not just because i'm from portland so okay so we're talking about trees today uh it is memorial day weekend so uh it's a great time to plant there's lots of stuff going on this weekend and other weekends and 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 planting is just a, a good time this this time of year in general is a, is a good time to plant trees in memorial day weekend you know having that nice long weekend really makes uh those kind of projects work out so we're going to talk about uh tree care uh from beginning to end just everything that we're gonna we're gonna need to know about keeping our trees healthy and and getting them past that that critical early stages so let's talk about uh early on you know you've got a spot and you've decided you want to put a tree in there what are some of the things that people should really look at when deciding what tree they're going to pick and then where they want to put it I would definitely say the first thing I would look at is how much space do you have. Yeah. Because trees can get anywhere from 8 feet wide to 50 feet wide. Yeah. And same in height. Yep. So how much space? Space is a, is a big consideration. I mean, you, the last thing you want to do is grab a sunburst locust that's going to have a 25-foot spread and throw it into your 15-foot you know, backyard. Right. So definitely know how much area you have. Uh, you also want to know your exposure. I mean, how much yes. sunlight are you getting? Because it's, it's weird to think that a, a, some trees actually need a little bit more shade than others. If you're going to go with something like a dogwood, yeah. you don't want to put that into a full sun area. But you do need it to be kind of uh, secluded in an area that it's going to do well through the harsh winters, but uh, doesn't get too much sun. And, and so those kind of areas can be a little bit difficult to find. But 
knowing your exposure, uh, especially early on, if you got a smaller tree, you're starting with a smaller tree. If it's getting too much shade, that might not be the right spot for it. You might have to go a little bigger or pick something else. So exactly. So exposure is yeah. another big one. Um, when somebody comes to Chinden, Chinden's known for our greenhouse and having tons of plants. What are the things that uh, people should look at or kind of have in mind? You know, we've got our size, we know how much area we want. When they're picking out that tree, what's the what are some of the key features that they should be looking at to really have? You know, pick out a good specimen. To, yes. you know, get a, a tree that's healthy and has the branching and everything that it wants that we want. What are what are the, some of those key factors? I'd say some of the key first thing I look for is a good strong central leader. So it's got some taking it straight up. You yeah. don't want a crooked trunk or, or missing the central leader, and then good directional growth. So you got a branch kind of going in every direction mm. to give you that symmetry. So one thing I see happen a lot of times is somebody buys that new tree. And they get it into the lawn, and then that first year they get like sun scald or sunburn on it. So, are there any things that we can do to kind of prevent that, or at least know kind of how we want to position that tree? Yeah, in fact, some of our growers. This is why I love Schmidt so much. But they'll actually tag the trunk of that tree with a little white piece of paint. Yeah, and a lot of people think that's uh, just the marking that it's been sold to us as Zamzos, but that's actually marking north, I believe. Really? That that paint I actually is, didn't know that. Yeah. That's yeah. fascinating. So, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. So in, in the ground, in the nursery, when they were growing it, that paint mark is always pointing north. That That is actually, that's incredible thing to know because yeah. you want that mark to face the same direction. Exactly. And then what that's going to do is make sure that the, the, the stiffer, the thicker side of the bark of that tree is actually pointing in the right direction. So the exposure isn't going to cause that. So right. I, yeah, not all growers do that. So it's good to know that Schmidt does it. It's another, I love Schmidt too. It's a Schmidt great, does it right. They're, they're a great grower. They make really quality trees and, uh, that's even better to know that they do something like that. So keep it, you know, there may be other people that do that. So just look for that. I think mm -hmm. if you're, you know, you're looking for a tree, you're thinking about it, uh, look to see if they've got some sort of marking on the bark and uh, and just keep that in mind. So yep. that's, and that's a great question to ask if you're in there, if you if they know where that's at. So good. Good to know. So, OK, we've picked out our tree. We, we've got all these things. We found the perfect one. What do we want to do to get that hole prepared for this new tree? Right. And I'm sure everybody here has dug a hole in the valley. We have everything but <laughs> right. topsoil. Right? It's all clay, rock, gravel, pit run. It's just terrible soil. So you do want to amend the soil some, but not so much that your tree won't want to leave that hole you've created right. for it. Because I've seen people do that too. But I generally dig the hole out, then I have my backfill, and then I mix some compost in with yeah. that. Just to so how I, how big do you recommend the hole be? This is this is a question that I think has a lot of opinion, and I want to preface this comment that there are different opinions on that. I think there are some that are definitely wrong, um, but I think there's a few that are probably right. So there can be some variance in this. But what do you what do you recommend? I recommend just as deep as they're sitting in that pot. Yeah, because it, you plant it too deep, it suffocates it and it will kill the tree. But then I like to dig it at least half again as wide, right. if not twice as wide. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's typically what I've recommended too. I know some people. I know be, early on, I actually recommended going actually a little bit deeper than that. But through my own experience and just you know, exp you know, talking to people, I found that right at soil level, as deep as it is right now, is as deep as you need to go. Yep. 
Yep, you seem to do just fine. And then the other thing, you always recommend compost. We've always had this kind of bitter rivalry between compost and <laughs> planting soil. I always recommend planting soil. You recommend compost, and I think neither one of those is wrong. I mean, we used to have competitions as, at the store to see who could sell more of the other, and I don't think that ever one of us ever was a clear winner. Uh, nope. But the planting soil, I think, works just as well as compost. I like the planting soil because it has compost plus other organic materials in it, and you just like the compost i don't know why (laughs) (laughs) i love compost yeah it's just a matter of opinion either one's fine i think they're both adding the essential things into the soil to make it right compost might have a little bit more a little bit more maybe of the the micronutrients but i feel like the the diversity of the planting soil getting a, a few different types of organic material in there is just what i prefer so there's definitely different different strokes for everybody so now uh real quick uh, watering. Watering is something that everybody asks, and it's and we're going to get into it a little bit more, but that first thing, they get the plant in there, they've amended that backfill, and they've filled it back up. How do you want to, what do you want to do uh, to make sure that that tree has the right amount of watering after that? Right, which I love those good old meters. You know, they probe down about 12 inches, and they tell you that moisture level at that point. But that right when you plant it, I always give it a good deep soak. Yeah. So a slow trickle on a hose for probably longer than you think, even 20 minutes yeah. on it, and give it a good deep soak. I like to fill it up and like just let it run till it's running out, you know, that it's yep. just as deep as you can go. So, all right, we've got a great start to this discussion, so we're going to hit uh, a quick break. Uh, this is the Zamzo's Garden Show on KBOI. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Jim Zamzel, and now through Monday, September 5th, Labor Day, Zamzel's is having a Shading the Valley sale with 40% off all trees and shrubs. It's been a long, hot summer, and we could all use some shade. So Zamzo's is making it easy to add some, with a sale on every tree and every shrub in stock. We have a huge selection to choose from, and selection varies from store to store. But for our biggest and best selection, shop our Chinden Greenhouse, located at Chinden and Meridian Road. And along with 40% off all trees and shrubs, Zamzo's has taken 20% off the price of everything you need to plant, including 20% off Zamzo's Thrive and Zamzo's Tree and Shrub Insect Control, compost and planting soil, shovels and gloves, and even our famous 321 grow tabs, which are a must for planting. So if you'd like to add some shade to your yard, shop Zamzo's Shading the Valley Sale going on now through Labor Day at all 13 Zamzo's. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. The Ben Shapiro Show, weekdays from 1 to 3 on News Talk KBOI. All right, we are back here on the Zamzo's Garden Show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie, and with me today is Chris Owings. And uh, we're doing a pre-recorded episode today, so we're not taking any phone calls, but we're talking about all sorts of tree care. We're talking about beginning to end, everything that you should know or want to know about getting your trees planted and getting them through the first few years and then beyond. So uh, last segment, we talked about, you know, proper planting and what to do. Uh, You know, let's say we're at that point now where we're putting that tree in the hole uh, and we've we've added, you know, we've got our our compost and our backfill. Uh, What are some other things that we really want to recommend to get that tree started off right? You know, Jim came up with something amazing last year, I think, and it's, it's called a bullis. 
And it looks like a big old horse pill. Yeah, I think that's what it is. The capsule is actually a horse pill that we've repurposed. Nice. From what I understand. And maybe that's... So I think we call them... Do we call it bullet... That's a weird word, but... It is is weird. And (laughs) I think that's what they call a horse pill, actually, is a bolus. A bolus, yeah. Yeah. So So, I think that is how it got its name. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. we call it caps. Planting caps is another one what we've called it. So either nice. one of those will probably get you to the right product. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But the main thing that does is uh, has, I, I believe it's either seven or 11 different strains of mycorrhizae in it. Yeah. Which mycorrhizae is a fungus. It binds to the root and it helps that plant dry in water and nutrients out of the right. soil. And then in return, the plant gives the fungus sugars that it gets from photosynthesis. Right. So it's a it's a great beneficial uh what are they symbiotic relationship between yes. this fungus and the trees. And and actually all plants have some form of mycorrhizae. There's lots of different species, but it, they are very essential for anything to to really live. I mean, they have yeah. to have these. And so what happens is like when we're in a, a soil that's doesn't hasn't had a tree, especially the tree you're planting, uh, if it's never had that tree, it's not going to have that mycorrhizae. And there may be some of it, you know, living on that root uh, of the tree as it's growing. But uh, that disruption of planting and taking it out and getting moved around tends to kill some of it off. So we want to try to re-inoculate that soil exactly. with a number of mycorrhizae to help that recovery process go a lot faster. So, And that actually goes in... At planting. At planting. You're going to put that in the hole. Yeah, it needs to be in the soil or the mycorrhizae will die. So I picked up a couple of those hornbeams last year that you sold me at the Chidden store and uh, used it on those trees. And they came out looking just fantastic this year. They look great. Nice. Nice, good good green growth on them. They're looking really nice. And here's the thing that I think is, is interesting. It's not excessive growth. You know, a lot of times if you use certain fertilizers, you're going to get lots of growth and it's going to shoot up really fast. But these ones didn't, they didn't do that. They leafed out good, very healthy, good amount of growth on them, and they just look fantastic. That's good. I've seen people push the nitrogen to their trees and they grow so quick the bark actually cracks. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so yeah. I want to watch that. Proper feeding is very critical, especially in the first few years. I mean, you, you got to make sure you don't overdo it because it can stress those trees out. Okay, so we put the 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 planting cap uh, stuff in the hole, and we backfilled it, and we're starting to water. Uh, the thing I always I'd never plant a tree without, or really any plant without putting Thrive on it. Absolutely. I mean, Thrive. You know, again, it's I'm keeping my streak, even though this is a pre-recorded show. I don't think I've done a, a radio show yet without talking about Thrive, and it's not just like. We don't just push this product like we truly believe in how what Thrive does and how much better it makes our plants. Yeah, and the soil. And the soil. Right, yep. exactly. And you know, and those things are connected. It makes the soil better so it makes the plants better. So, you got it backfilled, you're watering. Uh do you like to do the Thrive at that time or do you like to give it that good soak and then Thrive later? Yeah, I give it that first initial soak cuz it, it seems like the Thrive does work better in kind of damp or moist yeah. soil. I think that helps it get down into the soil better, so you get yeah. more penetration, so you get that thrive in the roots near the root system a lot better. So you're going to yes. give it a good long soak, let it let it water for a long time, and then once it's kind of percolated in, come back over with a mixture of thrive, and just the regular rate is fine. Yeah. And just water that in one last time with thrive, and you're in good shape. Yep. Okay. So... Kind of keeping along with the watering idea, this is a question I get all the time on like our Facebook group and just on our social. You know, people want to know how much do I water my trees? 
because uh, it's it's tough to know, especially when people have like a drip system or they have different watering mechanisms in their in their landscape. So, what do you have kind of a rule of thumb that you use? for keeping those trees watered in that first season? Yeah, that first season, and I always tell our customers, too, that we live in a desert. These plants are happy in desert conditions. Yeah. And if you're watering it every day, you're going to start to rot those roots off. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't want that much water. So deep and infrequent. So that very first year, probably three times a week, Yeah. Um, a good deep soak, but let it dry out a little bit in between. Yeah, I think that's the best thing is to just... You know, what, I, what I've always done is I'll just take the hose out there and I'll just put it on a slow trickle and I'll just set it under that tree and then I'll forget about it. Yep. And usually it's my wife comes in and says, hey, uh, you're still watering that tree and it's like the next morning. Yeah. So you don't want to go that long. If you can no. go for, I mean, I think you, met, you said 20 minutes. I think, uh, you know, it may change based on how big the tree is, I think. But something around there, you want to deep, deep soak it. Make sure everything gets saturated and then you don't have to do it again for a few days right and then and i think that's that's really the best thing you mentioned root rot and i i think that's really i found over the years that i've had more people lose trees to root rot to overwatering than they have underwatering oh yeah i say i'm 90 percent of the probably 95 percent of the customers that come in and bought a tree from me and it died once i look at it the roots are all rotted they're just black you can smell it it stinks yeah. yeah, there's some very very pungent indicators yes. that something's wrong in that soil. So um, the, I think the best thing to do whenever you're in that first season especially is don't assume that it needs more water. Because what what's interesting is that the tree will actually look like it may start to wilt even though there's too much water there. Right. And we associate wilting with not enough water. Well, mm-hmm. it's actually not getting enough water. But it's because there's too much. Right. So it's rotted the roots off. Right. So I can't get the water to the leaf, but it's essentially drowning. Yeah, exactly. So um, so I think it's best to err on the side of less water, really with any plant that you're putting out there, especially a new plant. Because it's yeah, it's they're so new, they're so uh, trying to get used to these new conditions. They're not taking a lot of moisture in, so you want to go slow, give it a small amount of water, or you know, a good amount of water, let it dry out. And you mentioned what three times a week? Yeah, three times a week that first year. Yeah, yeah. I th- I found that to be pretty accurate as well. Like in what I've done, you know, the few tr- times I've planted trees uh, over the last few years, about three times. I have increased it to four, um, and even a fifth time in the middle of summer when it's getting super hot, and that way. Just because I I know what I'm putting out there, but in when it's super hot, the, you're gonna get more transpiration. You've got more water going up because the tree's trying to cool itself down. That's its cooling mechanism as well as moving everything around, and so it's got to have that water. And even in a new tree, once you're kind of at that point, if you're starting to say around Memorial Day or some other time, uh, you, the tree's in a pretty good place by the time we get to July, August when it's the hottest. Yeah. So do you? What do you? What? How do you decide? Um. You know, it's it's always tough to know, especially if you're new to a place or you know you're not sure about the soil. Do you do anything to check that soil before you do any kind of watering? You mentioned the the probes. Yeah, the probe, which are helpful. Those are helpful. Other than that, I mean, I just judge my soil as I'm digging it. Yeah. And Sometimes I'll take you know even my shovel out and I go out a little ways from the trunk, not too close, 
Uh, but I come out, you know, a little ways and I just dig down about a shovel's depth just to kind of get an idea of what that soil is like underneath it. Because yeah. one thing about our clay soils is that they'll tend to dry out on the top faster than they will down below. So if you're using that top layer of soil to decide whether or not you need more water, it's kind of deceiving. I mean, it's, it's very, very deceiving. So yeah, getting down into the soil, even a hand trowel really shows you what's happening just a few inches below the soil yeah, surface. Four to six inches. That's so one tip I want to throw out there, I found this uh, helpful when you're using the soil probes. Um, if you've got a harder soil, take a trowel or something and, and kind of rough that, that soil up so it's a little looser so you can get that probe in there all the way and you don't break the stem off. Yes. Because that happens a lot. It does happen a lot. <laughs> Hit a rocker. Yeah, so loosen that soil up just a little bit to kind of get that probe in there so you can see it real well and, and get a, a good idea. So, okay, I think we're about time for a break. So uh, we're going to hit that and come back on the other side. This is the Zamzo's Garden Show on KBOI. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Callie Zamzo, here with my dad, Jim Zamzo. May 13th was a very special day for you, wasn't it? Well, it was Friday the 13th, but it was also the day I planted what I hope will grow into a record-breaking 20-foot-tall tomato plant. You decided to grow a Sweet 100 Cherry Tomato plant, and since you planted it on Friday, you named it Friday. And everything you've done to get Friday to grow from a little seedling to over 6 feet tall in just 3 months, anybody can do, simply by using the Zamzo's products that you invented to grow great tomatoes. For tall tomatoes, you need a tall heavy-duty cage. What about tomato boom and chicken soup for the soil? Oh yes, I added one cup of Zamzo's tomato boom at planting along with a tablespoon of chicken soup for the soil. And then I side dress with both every three weeks. And she's up to six feet tall in just three months. Actually, she's almost nine feet tall. <laughs> yep, that's my girl Friday. So follow Friday on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or better yet, on Zamzo's.com. Oh, and guess what day of the week we update the photos? Could it be Friday? You catch on quick, Callie Kay. Don't Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Zamzo's Garden Show, and I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie. This week, we're doing a pre-recorded episode, so we don't have any phone calls this day. Sorry about that. We are out of town, uh, but I'll probably be back next week uh, for a live show. Today with me in studio is Chris Owings. Chris is the manager of our Chinden Greenhouse and uh, been a good friend of mine for a number of years. And uh, thanks for coming in and, and talking to me about trees. Yeah, you that bet. We, we both have a great time talking about. So I, I recall us looking over multitudes of lists at trees and dreaming about what we can bring in and oh, how yeah. much we like this tree or that tree or, you know, how well we think this one would do in, in this area. And so uh, trees are something we're both very passionate about. We spend a lot of time uh, studying it, and, and it's something that we, we really like talking about. So you bet. I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Thanks. So we've, we've covered uh, in the previous segments uh, planting a tree, picking out the right tree, the first waterings and fertilizings. Uh, another really uh, frequent question is, is pruning. Um, Pruning is one of those uh, activities that I think intimidates a lot of people. And so we want to try to clear the air about it. It's really not as bad as it kind of gets made out to be. The one thing I always say about trees is they've been here for a really long time. 
<laughs> and they know how to take care of themselves. And it's usually better for us to kind of more, be more hands off than we'd, we'd like to be. You know, we always want to do more for them. So pruning is one thing that pen, tends to kind of scare people off when it comes to trees. They're not sure where to do it or when to do it or how to do it. So let's just talk about those things and, and try to raise everybody's confidence level. When I was in college, I was able to work on the grounds there. And part of that, uh, that the thing that was really nice about that was I would go to class and I would get to learn about these things and then I would have immediate application. I'd get to go do those things I was learning about. And and that's really, nice. I feel, what pruning is, is really just a matter of doing it, going yep. out and trying. The biggest thing, though, is I think people start too much. They start by, they get too, too far ahead of themselves. And I think the real key to it is always start small. Yes. Start, start with a small amount of pruning uh, and and get to know your tree um, and even your shrubs and your your other things. Get to know them and kind of you should know generally what shape it should be. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that we study like uh, if it, a tree is pyramidal or columnar, and those are kind of, uh, you know, technical terms, I guess. But really it just describes the shape, the overall shape of the tree. Mm -hmm. So we want to you want to kind of know what the, the general shape of the tree wants to be and how you can promote that. So always start small, do small amounts of pruning at a time, and know your tree. So, uh, Chris, when when is the best time to start pruning a tree? I think the best time is February, March, right right before it's going to come out of dormancy. Yeah. See, yeah. and that's and it's always interesting to me. You know, when I was in Portland growing up, we always pruned more in the fall. It was just I think it's a more of a cultural thing. You know, we don't have heavy frosts and heavy snows like sure. we tend to have around here. So people would do a lot more pruning in the fall, I think, uh, as the tree was about into dormancy. People huh. would do it. So it's, I, I, you know, I did a lot of it at call in the college. We did a ton of but we did a lot in the spring, too, mostly because it was a huge campus and we couldn't yeah, get it all done. But um, but yeah, I think around here, what I found is that yet yeah, February, March time before they're starting to push buds yep. is really the best time to start pruning really with just about anything. I mean, I can't think of a, an instance where uh, that should no. hold true for conifers, yep. for deciduous trees, any either one of them. Fruit trees. Yeah. Yep. So starting around February, March, you know, if you get a nice day out there is a good time to start and, and start small. So. Uh, what are some of the rules of thumb you have when it comes to approaching a tree? You know, it, maybe it's never been pruned before. Um, you know, we're in that first year. Uh, you know, it's been there forever. What are, what are some of those things that you always have in the back of your mind when you're starting to look at pruning a tree? So I always try to stick to the one third rule. Yeah. So never prune out more than a third of that canopy. Yeah. Which on some of those trees, they say if you got an old apple tree that's never been pruned, <laughs> I mean you just want to butcher that thing. But if you do too much, it just cause water sprouts. Yeah, which, which is a branch that shoots up and never produces anything or does anything. It's right, there, unproductive. Yep, yeah, yep. doesn't do what you want. So, um, and they can also be kind of a pain to mm -hmm. take care of because they just aren't very nice to look at. Nope, not at all. So about a third at a time. Um, anything, any other kind of rules that you have or anything that you're looking at that you know mm -hmm. you, want, you want to keep in the back of your mind? And then when you're pruning, you just don't want to leave a, a nub. It's really hard to describe on the radio, but you want to prune right at a node. So you're yeah. doing a flesh cut because then the tree can heal itself without yeah. the use of tar. So, yeah, so let's try to explain that a little bit. So um, let's say you've got a branch. And 
on the branch, you've got areas where new twigs and or leaves will come out. Right. Those are growth nodes. So that's the term used for that point where those other alternate growth parts come out. So that's a node. So what Chris is describing is you want to prune fairly close to that node, that place where something is coming out of the branch. Right. So you don't want to go right next to it. I think you usually want to give it about, I mean, a quarter of an inch is pretty good, or would yeah, you go even a half inch? Well, sometimes you can even see what they call the branch collar. Yeah. So it's a real rough, rugged piece of bark right in the node, and you want to prune leaving that undamaged because right. that's what's going to heal, seal your wound. Yeah. I've actually been reading some, this is just kind of off top. well, it's on topic, but I've actually been reading some about this, and some people are even, uh, oh, wait, I know what it was. It was, uh, I went to the pruning uh, class uh, that the U- University of Idaho put on, and they were actually recommending, and this was particular to fruit trees, so maybe it's a little different on ornamentals, but they were actually pruning right up to the branch. I mean, it's flush. They were not worried about the collar at all. Really? Yeah, they were going huh. right into it. They were saying what they found, and it may be just kind of the cultivars that they're using and whatnot, but uh, they were going right flush with the branch, and they were finding that it wasn't actually causing a lot of damage. Now, I think there's some definite exceptions to this. Uh, if it's a thick collar, you know, you're just making that cut bigger. And if it's uh, a stressed tree, I really think that you should go above the collar. But I, I think generally you can't go wrong with going above the collar, and that's probably what I would still recommend. I don't think that I yeah. could cut into a collar. <laughs> I don't I, it's so ingrained in me <laughs> that I don't think I could do it. Like I would try to start and just stop because I, it's just something that I, I've not – you know, I've always learned not to do it, so it's right. just something I can't do. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is in that what I've always been taught is if you cut into that collar, that collar has a lot of stored up energy, and that's what's actually going to help callus that wound over. Exactly. And if you cut into it, you're actually taking that out. So it's interesting. It's just interesting to hear dif- different um, the way other people are doing things. Uh, and how they're doing it, and and maybe I got it wrong. I don't know. Who knows? But <laughs> no, I, I think I agree. You, you can't you can't go wrong with cutting outside the collar, cutting just a, pretty flush with it. Yep. Uh, you know, but collar. just not into it, and and you should be in good shape. So going going uh, close to a node, going outside of the collar are both things that are very important. Um, let's talk about this real quick because it's another opinion thing. Do you ever recommend putting on the sprays or the paints? The on, on any of those fresh cuts? I only do if they're unsure of their cut. So if they think mm. they're doing it wrong or leaving a, a stub there that the tree can't really seal sure. over, then I do. Other than that, no. Yeah. I think I, it takes the tree longer to heal over the tar. Yeah. That's what I've typically found. I mean, I I think there, there there probably are places for it like you recommend, but typically I think trees know how to deal it, deal with themselves. They know they how to heal that. They don't need us to interfere. They've been doing this for a really long time, yeah. and they can only do you know, what's best for them. So, Okay, I think we're about out of time for this segment. We're going to come back in just a few minutes with one more segment here with Chris Owings. This is the Zamzo's Garden Show on KBOI. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Jim Zamzo, and Zamzo's is your mosquito control headquarters in the Treasure Valley. And with the West Nile virus confirmed in several spots of the valley, it's a good idea to stop the skeeters before they stop you. Along with foggers that spray a fine mist from a can or full-blown sprayer, Zamzo's carries an array of choices to control mosquitoes. We have hose-end sprayers that require no mixing, are ready to use, and will treat your entire yard. 
Our new yard sticks are giant DEET-free incense sticks that create a no-fly zone for flies, mosquitoes, and other biting insects. Our line of personal repellents are also DEET-free and use water-based essential oils for long-lasting protection, and they won't stain your clothes. So if you want to protect your family from West Nile and stop the bite of mosquitoes, stop by and check out our new line of mosquito sprays and preventers from Zamzo's. 13 stores to serve you, including Nampa on Franklin Boulevard, just south of the freeway. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. News talk doesn't have to be boring. Weekday mornings from 6 to 10. It's Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. All right, we are back for one more segment of the Zamzo's Garden Show. This is a pre-recorded episode, so we're not taking any phone calls this time, but we should be back next week with the live show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie, and with me today is Chris Owings. Thanks a lot for being here with me, Chris. We're talking about trees. Yeah, you bet. All Thanks. sorts of things dealing with trees and how to take care of them from beginning to end. So uh, let's uh, get into this last little bit here. We want to cover a little, a few more things uh, concerning pruning uh, trees, and there's a few exceptions to our general rule. Like we were recommending that you know pruning in February, March is a good time to start, but there's some times where you know you can go ahead and prune. Yes. So what are some of those exceptions to the rule? I like to call them your nuisance pruning. So every time you mow the lawn, this branch hits you in the face, or yeah. it's it's dropped and it's now covering up your fence, or, <laughs> or anything that's kind of annoying you, go yeah. ahead and remove that branch at any time. Right. Yeah, it's not going to matter. Okay. You're pruning yeah. out a small amount. It's not going to matter. It's not going to irreparably damage the tree. Uh, I've got a locust right over my driveway, which constantly, and you know, locusts are notorious for their branches just drooping. It's just what they yep. do. I don't know why. It's just something in their DNA. But they're gorgeous trees. But they have this little thing where they just the branches just tend to kind of droop down uh, during the year, and so I, you know, once or twice a year I got to go in and I got to limb all that stuff back up, and I, you know, I do it when I have to, just because yep. it's in my way. I can't drive my car into my driveway without hitting a branch, so exactly. I'm gonna go ahead and prune those out. The other thing uh, I always prune out is anytime I see a dead branch, no matter yeah. the time of year, I'm always gonna take that out. Yep. Can't hurt it at all. Yeah, it's already dead. And suckers, <laughs> and suckers. Yeah, yep, yep. suckers. Crab yeah, apples and things. Water sprouts. Up. Yeah, yep. those are things. Go ahead and take those out whenever. There's no restriction on when to do that, or uh, you know, just get it out of your way. Uh, but keep those other rules in mind. You still want to prune it to the node as best you can. Uh, you know, if it's a bigger branch, cut it up in smaller sections first. Don't take the whole thing off at once, and uh, you'll be in a much better shape. Okay, so we've talked a lot about you know starting off you know, tree. You just get it in the ground and how we take care of it, how we're going to water it, how we're going to feed it, how we're going to prune it. Uh, once we get past that second or third year, uh, usually the tree's pretty well established by then. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're really going to see a lot of growth. You're going to see a lot of things happen. The tree is finally recovered from planting. And it seems strange. It actually takes two to three years on a lot of trees for them to fully recover and actually be used to where they're at. They're it, at. it can. I think it even takes a year per inch of caliper. Well, that's an interesting statistic. I haven't heard yeah. of it that way, but it makes yeah. sense. I planted uh, a linden about four years ago, I think. And this is the first year I've really noticed it just boom you know it's been nice up till now but oh, this yeah. year it is just full just nice. absolutely gorgeous so it takes a number of years for it to get now how are we going to change up what we do i mean we shouldn't we we don't need to keep treating it the same way year after year after year once it's established mm -hmm. why, what do we do then yeah i mean once it's established i'm sure you've seen a house that's 
been repossessed or something vacant for a year and the lawn's all dead and everything's dead and they got great big trees and they look just fine <laughs> i mean they they can survive it without the water or without any of that so once it starts to get established you can cut the water way back on it yeah i would almost say no supplemental watering at all yeah. i mean for most things i mean unless it's like super hot um even then, just maybe one watering, you know, really deep soak. Yeah. And then that's probably plenty. July and once in August and, and maybe in a winter if we have a drought. Sure. Not this last winter. But. <laughs> there was no way to water this last winter. <laughs> but but if we go 30 days in a winter time without a ton of moisture, sometimes I do yeah, drag a hose sure. out. But other than that, no. Once they're established. Yeah. I think esta- once they're established, I mean, the trees are going to be able to deal with whatever comes their way for the most part. There's very few things we have to do to make sure that they still stay healthy. There are a few things that we do recommend, uh, but I, but as far as like, you know, having a watering schedule for them at that point, I really don't think you need to have one. Mm-mm. You know, if you're watering your lawn, you're watering your landscape, there's some water getting out there. Um, but even if that weren't there, the seasonal watering, the seasonal rains and things are really enough. And you look up in the, like the hills, uh, those trees don't get any water during the middle of summer and they do just fine. So there's, there's those things to consider. You don't have to do as much. I, we do still like to recommend some thrive. Um, and, and this is one that is probably has, again, has a different opinion. How much do you usually do, do thrive on an established tree? An established tree, I generally just still do about once a year. Yeah. 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 I, I've had, you know, over the years I've recommended twice, but I've really found, you know, in, in talking with Jim and just my own experiences really once is plenty. And, and what, mm-hmm. what time of the year do you typically do it? I do it in the fall. In the fall. So I put everything to bed. It yeah. Like that's when it's storing. Yeah. I think that's your, that's when you've got the most activity as in, yeah, like you said, storage, it's taken up as much as it can trying to get it all packed into its root mass so that it can survive that winter. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really the best thing because uh, the, the one time I might make an exception for that is if the tree becomes severely stressed due to something else like a bug infestation or, uh, you start getting borers or a massive, uh, limb failure, something like that might be a good exception to just give it a little bit of a boost. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that it's got what it needs to recovery. The way I typically think of it is like, you know, you get this kind of cataclysmic event and the tree gets stressed now it's using up its reserves. It's trying to recover from that. And so it's kind of draining up what it needs. And if it doesn't get enough by winter or by fall, now it's running on empty. So getting a little bit extra so that it's kind of just feeding throughout that whole time. I, and I don't know. I, I've, you know, that's just what I've kind of done as a precautionary measure. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's absolutely needed, but it's better safe than sorry. Definitely. And it can depend on the variety of the tree, too. Yeah, absolutely. There's some definitely hardier trees out there. Yeah, for sure. Others. Okay, so um, I think that about covers all those things. Let's talk about um, let's talk about some trees that are uh, ones that we don't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think we've always we've had kind of like running jokes between the two of us about trees that we uh, we, <laughs> we joke about recommending, but really would never plant. What's what's one of yours? Yeah, a willow. A willow. <laughs> Yeah, I hate willows. <laughs> willows, uh, so very fast growing. I think there's a place for them. I, you know, there. I they're think there's very, places where they look really nice. But I, I think they're pretty. Yeah, I, do. I think they're a very pretty tree. 
In a backyard, though, yeah, maybe not just, the best idea. They're gonna drop a lot of limbs. They're yeah. messy. They're at leaves. Short I mean, it'll just drop leaves at the at you know the first sign of a hot day. Yep. You know, it's just oh, it's gonna be hot tomorrow. I'll or drop just, all my leaves today. Yep. Or a branch. <laughs> just randomly drop a branch. So here's one I'm gonna. This might be a little controversial, actually. I'm gonna recommend not planting maples. Maples are used so much, and I don't know they 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 just tend to have problems. They do. Uh, they they, they really constantly struggle. have. Iron deficiency, chlorosis problems. They, you know, can get aphids. They can get other things. But that iron deficiency, just they have a hard time with it. And you put so much more effort into getting it back to green. I just, I, I've never really felt like the proposition is worth it to me. No, and even driving around right now, they're just leafing out. I mean, they should be dark green. And they're just and yellow. They're, they're yellow and orange. Yeah, right now. All right. So, what trees do we recommend planting? Uh, I people have probably heard my favorite. So, what's yours? I'll, I'll go with that. Well, you actually planted one of my favorites at your house. Oh yeah, yeah, the hornbeam. Nice. I, I love hornbeams. Yeah, you recommended that a few. It was it. It was last year. Yeah, uh, they're great trees. I think they have yeah. an interesting leaf shape. Um, these were the columnar varieties, mm-hmm. so they're going to be a little more narrow, and I wanted that because I was planting near some other trees, and I wanted it to go up instead of out, and I yep. needed that space. My favorite is going to be a linden. I just absolutely love lindens. They have a nice flower in the summer that just smells beautiful, and uh, they don't have uh, the chlorosis problems Boy, that no. a lot of other trees do. Sometimes they'll get a little aphid damage, but uh, for the most part, they're pretty bug-free. Yeah, so. and the honeybees love them. Okay. Fantastic. Well, Chris, thank you very much for coming on with me. This was a great show talking about trees. Hopefully you guys got something out of this. We appreciate you coming on. This is the Zamzo's Garden Show on KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Zamzo, and listen to what these Zamzo's customers are saying about Zamzo's Humagreen. We put it on starting in March, April, every month through September, October, and we have the nicest looking lawn on the block. Well, yeah, that's one thing that we have a yard for, right, is to make sure it looks green and lush out there. We just mow once a week, but it does just fill up the yard. Sometimes you get those patchy areas. We just don't have them. It gets real dark green and lush. Yeah, it is a deep dark. It's lush, full, and a dark green. It's true. Humagreen turns lawn such a deep dark green it really is a color all to itself in fact what causes your lawn to turn such a deep dark green is the natural iron and trace minerals that are in every bag of zamzo's humagreen ours looks so vibrant after using the lawn program and the humagreen we've been a member of the zamzo's lawn program probably since we've lived in the valley it's always made a dramatic difference it brings it to its fullest potential 